Hello and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. We are in the book of Daniel and we are in Daniel the third chapter and stuck if you will on on first verses 16 through 18. This is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Uh, Those of you raised in churches that told Bible stories these are known as the three little Hebrew children. Well they weren't three little children, these were three young men, grown men, who were in charge of whole portions of uh, government under King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And uh, they, of course, they were Jews, they were taken from captivity in the first wave uh, of captives that were taken out of uh, Jerusalem because of the sin of Israel, they kept rebelling against God, and eventually they all wound up in captivity. And uh, in fact, almost all of these Old Testament prophets and stuff that we've been reading all deals with that really center subject, warning them God was going to do this if they didn't repent, they didn't listen, they got taken into captivity, they went through incredible punishment, and then eventually God restores them. So this whole thing of them being in uh, captivity is like a major focal point of the Bible. I dare say if you add up all the chunks of the Bible that deal with it, you, you got a big chunk, okay, of the Old Testament that's built around this. So anyway, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego have been lifted up because Daniel was able to interpret uh, the dream of the king and now they're in trouble because somebody squealed on them because they weren't bowing down and worshiping the idol that the king had made. He had a rule that whenever, he put, he put it like this nine foot gold statue or something like that. And the rule was whenever the band would start playing, everybody had to bow down and worship the statue. So, they said they weren't going to do it. And in verse 17, they make their proclamation. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, because that's what that was their punishment. He said, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace if you don't do this. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, number one, the God we serve is able to save us. Now, I talked about that in great detail last Wednesday, or in our last Bible study. And I, I won't relive the whole thing, although it deserves being relived. I mean, you could preach on that part of it, you know, a hundred times before people even start getting it. I know, because I talk about it, and people still don't get it. Uh, you know, they say you need to preach something five, six, seven times before people actually start even comprehending what you're talking about. It's kind of a drag for people who do get it because they got to keep hearing it over and over again, but I won't relive it. You, if you missed last week's study, you need to go and get a copy of it or go online and listen to it because it is key. It is about this concept of being in a place of faith where you are able to believe our God is able. My God can do this. I can picture this. I can imagine it. I can conceive of it. It's the first step of faith. But it's just the first step. Amazing how many people can't get to that first step. They can't even imagine God changing their circumstances. I mean, forget whether or not he does. Forget that. They can't even imagine that he could. That's how bad a lot of us are stuck in our ability or in our inability to really trust God. So it is the first step of faith. You have to believe God's able. So that was number one. So our God, if you throw us into the furnace, our God is able to save us from it. Then number two, here's their next proclamation. 
And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. So, number one, God can do this. We certainly can conceive of God doing this. We have no problem there. They take it to the next level. Our God will deliver us from your hand. Now, this is known as a positive confession of faith. A strong confession of faith. When you say with your mouth what you believe in your heart... And the two are tied together uh, when it comes to this whole idea of faith. In fact, the Bible says even to get saved, that if you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and you say it with your mouth, confessing Christ as Lord, you will be saved. It's the combination of what's in here and saying it out here. It's called faith. You can't really experience faith. great faith, well, I shouldn't say you can't, there's people who can't speak, they're dumb or something like that, and they're unable to speak, I'm sure God's grace covers them, but the general principle here is faith, you don't get the faith until, you can't just say, I I feel it in here, but you don't ever say it, and if you just say it, but you don't ever really believe it in here, obviously, that's a problem, it's the tying the two together, I believe it, I can see it, I can conceive of it, now I speak it out of my mouth, I have a bold confession of faith. God will turn this around for me. Now, um, about, I don't know how many years ago, what's it been now, 30 years ago or something like that? You know, there was starting the 80s, I suppose. A big movement came across the Christian landscape called the Word of Faith movement. Maybe it was uh, even later than that, I don't know, but uh, it doesn't matter. Um, These were people who really, really got into this idea of you've got to say it with your mouth. You've got to proclaim faith, confidence in God. They got the concept. You've got to tie the two together. Now, to their fault, a lot of them went way over to cuckoo's nest on this deal. And not all of them. And some who were there have adjusted and come back, but there's still a small fringe of complete cuckoo nests out there that you know, and, and what I mean by that is they're they're so caught up into what they say. They think everything's about confession. What you confess, I confess this, I confess this, I speak this. They're almost as if <clears throat> they think they're little mini gods. You know, that they can walk around and creatively just make things happen because they say, I say this. You know, because Jesus said, if you speak to this mountain and and do not doubt it, it will be rem- it will be removed. So they speak. You know, I will get a million dollars, and I will have a new house, and I will have... And and it's amazing how much of it really was based around narcissism. Because most of it had to do with what you got out of life. You know, everything's good for me, lots of money, da-da-da-da. And, of course, they went into great teaching about why God wants to bless you financially and stuff. A lot of it was good. Trust me, it was good. Because what they were countering... Well, so many Christians who went around just mullygrubbing all the time. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Clearly, that's not faith. Anybody who looks at faith could look around the majority of Christians at that time. Still people, a lot of them still do that today. And get a picture. that, that Who wants to be like that? You can't, try, you can't possibly get to a place of faith talking and thinking and acting like that. But again, they overdid it. I mean, it became paranoia that, you know, you had to be careful about everything you said. 
For example, I remember once being chastised. By the way, <laughs> bring up my brother's sins. We don't want to talk about my sins, you know. But at one time, my brother Eddie was really into this, big time. He was really into the word of faith. You know, it's all about confession and 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 really swung way far. I was always pulling on him, trying to get him back to the center, and he's not out there anymore. Thank God. But uh, at one time, a lot of people were really caught up into this thing. Uh, it took on a real negative uh, slant to it. And people refer to it today as the name it, claim it people. Sometimes you'll hear that phrase. Oh, they're just a name it, claim it. And you go, what does that mean? See, because they say that because they say it, it, it'll happen. I claim it, therefore it must happen. And it gets a little bit too overbalanced. Although there's elements of truth in it, it got a little crazy. So anyway, I remember one time being... Uh, uh, rebuked by someone from this, you know, movement that was going about, because I made the statement that, oh man, I, I, I almost died laughing, and they went, no, 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 don't say that. What do you mean? Well, if you say that, then then you're going to die. I mean, it's just craziness, because I said I would die laughing. Then, oh my gosh, I'm going to bring death into my life because I said I almost died laughing. Which I must say, if I must die, I would prefer to die laughing than the alternative, which would be crying and screaming in agony and pain. So if I get to choose dying, I choose dying laughing. Hopefully, I live a very long life and not have this problem. But, I mean, it really got to that point. You couldn't say anything. You could never acknowledge anything was wrong. You could never say, oh, I have a cold. Oh, bad confession. You just made a bad, what do you mean? I got a cold. No, no, that's a bad confession. So you literally had people walking around paranoid. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if some of you listening to this right now have been through this. I mean, you were paranoid. You couldn't say anything. That because you would be rebuked and jumped on uh, because you had a negative confession. So it was very, very extreme. It was very crazy. Um, and a lot of it was, quite frankly, unbiblical. Having said that, the element of truth that is in there still stands. Which is this, you need to have a positive confession of faith. You need to tie your tongue to what you believe in your heart, assuming you believe. Of course, we talked about that last week. A lot of people don't ever really believe, so that's why their tongues are all over the place. But if you really believe God is able, then you can confidently confess God will deliver me. I've studied God's word. I see God's promise. The scripture says this. I'm trusting and believing God. I believe we will prevail. It's a positive confession of faith. God will be there for me. Um, and maybe the best way to understand this is to look at oftentimes, I find it easier to understand a positive by looking at a negative. I did that with you last week. For people who have a hard time imagining their answer, I pointed out that from the negative, they do it all the time. That's what they do when they're afraid. They worry. They visualize, oh my goodness, everything's going to be horrible. Everything's gonna, they, they play the movie over and over. See, that they're great at. Then they understand, oh yeah, I guess I can do it. Okay, even though that never happens. They, have, they can easily believe terrible happening to them. They just can't picture good happening to them. They, they, they're not in a place of faith. Okay, so let's look at this confession thing from a negative viewpoint. <clears throat> Here's what a lot of people do. They will come to God and say, Lord, I ask you 
to do A, B, and C in my life. I need you to do A, B. I'm trusting you. I'm standing on your word. And, and I'm, I'm just believing. And, and I'm praying for you to do this. Okay? This is what God hears. Then you come to church. And people say, how you doing? And you say, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. What do you mean? A, B, and C. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I just... Now, do you see how, if you're God, that's a little insulting. It would be like if I came to you and said, Hey, Bob, uh, could you help me out on this? Because I, I, you're a great guy, and I know you have the skills, and can you help me with this project? And Bob goes, Yeah, absolutely. Then I walk away from Bob, and I'm talking to Bill over here. And Bill says, how you doing? I go, I don't know. I need Bob to do something. I don't, I don't know if he's going to do it or not. Hello, if you're Bob and you heard that, how would you feel? How would you react? You've just heard me say, oh man, I have confidence in you to handle this project. As soon as I walk away from your face, I'm over here and I'm saying, I don't know if Bob can pull it off for me. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he's, you know, whatever the deal is. And, and you start talking, you throw doubt and stuff in it. You have now just canceled out your trust in Bob. Now, the good news in a situation like that, even though you shouldn't do it, is that Bob didn't hear you. You have to understand God always hears you. So you come to God and you pray and you're trusting God and you say, Father, I'm entrusting you with this. I'm asking you for a miracle. I'm trusting you that you'll turn this around in my life. Amen. Then you go around your peeps and you're with your friends, your family, or you're in church and stuff, and you talk about this problem that you have in the most negative light. I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know how I'm ever going to sell my house. I don't know what we're going to do. It's horrible. We're really struggling. Yeah, would you pray for me? Because it's just awful. You don't think God hears this? You think God is going to rise to your defense? When you cannot maintain a positive confession, when you can't say uh, in front of others what you said to God, the way you should have handled a situation like that is you pray something and you trust God. And you say, God, I'm trusting you for a miracle. Now with your friends, say, what are you going to do about that situation? Say, you know what? We're very positive. We're trusting God. We're believing God's going to turn this thing around in our life. What's the difference? A positive confession. Our God will deliver us. Proclaiming it boldly. You're in a situation with your friends, your family, your church or whatever. Everybody knows you have this problem. And what are they saying? When you talk about this problem, what are they hearing? They're hearing what you prayed. Say, I believe God. God's going to turn this around. Life stinks right now. It's horrible. But it's going to turn around. That's where James says, you know, in the first chapter, uh, count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of trouble. And the implication there is to throw a party. Okay, that means like uh, your life just sucks and you call up your friends and says, come over, we're having a party. Really? Why? What are we celebrating? We're celebrating that my life sucks. What do you mean? That sounds crazy. No, because God's going to turn this around in my life. How can you celebrate when things are bad? Because you're in a place of faith and you speak positively of that which you are trusting God for. This is no small deal. Because a lot of people do this. Lots of people, and I don't doubt, but a lot of you have done this at one time or another. You'll come to God. Maybe you're doing it right now. 
You've got this horrible situation in your life. You come to God, you cry to God, you trust God, you quote the promises of God. And as soon as you get away, you speak mully grub. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to pull out of it. It's just horrible. Will you pray for me? As if now you've made that griping spiritual. All you've done is you've canceled out your faith. This is why, again, a lot of people don't experience more of God in their lives. Number one, they can't even imagine God even doing it. That's a problem. Or if they can get at least there. Number two, they cancel out their faith by speaking just such negative circumstances. Look, get you can always tell a person who's in a place of faith. Because they're speaking life to you. you know, I remember when Debbie was first diagnosed with cancer here many, many years ago when we were in the uh, first time we were here in Green Bay as an, as an associate pastor in the music department. And we announced, um, you know, that she had cancer and that we're praying and trusting God. You, you have no idea how many people came up to us. Oh, I am so sorry. This is awful. I don't know. I mean, it was like they were planning the funeral already. I mean, it was almost like, you know, gee, we'll bring over some nice food when she's dead and, and buried and we'll, we'll all cry with you. And this was not helpful. I'm trying to get in a place of faith. Now, there were some people, a small group, a very small group, that came up to me and said things like this. You know what? We're trusting God for a miracle for your Debbie. Uh, we know God's going to turn this around. We're in a place of faith with you. We're praying. That, that I wanted to hear. They had a positive confession. They weren't just going around mully grubbing. That was too bad you're all going to die. I know some of you were here at that time. If you even remember, and you know, most people can't remember my sermon from last week, much less 10 years ago. But at one point, I actually stood up and preached this when I had an opportunity to preach from time to time. And I asked people, please, don't come up to us and tell us you feel sorry for us. I, I don't need to hear that. I appreciate that you feel. I don't know what that accomplishes, but a little compassion. But I don't want to hear that. What I want to hear is if you're trusting God with us. If you can see this miracle and start celebrating this miracle before we get the miracle, I want to talk to you. If you cannot see this miracle and celebrate the miracle with us before we get it, I'd rather not hear from you. Amazingly, I didn't hear from a whole lot of people. <laughs> because I'm telling you, most people don't get this thing that I preached last week and now on this week, most people do not get. They cannot get it. Well, they can, but they refuse to get it. They, just, they don't understand. Their understanding is limited. They can't, even imagine, they can't even imagine celebrating something before you get it. Although that's faith. Remember, we quoted that verse last week where Jesus said, when you pray, believe you already have received it, and then you'll get it. Well, if you already have received it, what do you do? You celebrate it. You celebrate it before you get it. That's a place of faith. And again, you can always tell people who are struggling in their faith because when they open their mouth, it's woe is me. Woe is me. Do, 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 do. 
I'm really, really sad. I don't know how I'll make it. Life is really bad. I'm praying. Please pray with me. We'll all cry and be miserable together. Really? This is your version of praying and trusting God? I don't think so. Stop being that way. You can tell people who are in faith because they're like these guys. Who first of all say, look, our God's able to do it. Number two, he will do it. We believe God. Do you have your answer yet? No. But we're trusting God. We believe everything's going to be all right in our life. There's things Deb and I have been going through for the last how many years. We're still praying and trusting God for it. You won't hear us moaning and groaning about it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. You know our, our condo, for example. Anybody want a condo in Stevens Point? Let me know. Still praying. Haven't sold the condo. Are you a depressed pastor? No. If you talk to us about it, you'll never hear us say, Oh, that stupid condo. I don't know what we're going to do. We've got all these bills from this and sucking the life out of it. I mean, we acknowledge some of that from time to time that the reality is it's a challenge. And that's a, but it's not mully grub. We're not, oh, my life stinks and it's horrible. We're trusting God. We believe God's going to do something with that. Maybe he wants us to hang on to that place and we're going to do something fabulous with it 10 years from now. I don't know. Personally, I'm still hoping for the somebody buys it version. Okay? But speaking positive, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. We're trusting God. Some people think that's unrealistic. Some people think that's foolish and idealistic. You know, I remember when my wife Debbie, again, had the cancer. And we were in a place of faith and trusting God. We had people yell at us for not being, you're not being realistic about this. You're not taking this seriously. No, we get it. Dead. I mean, we're not stupid. Worst case scenario, she will die. We understand that. Exactly how is being miserable and crying about that helpful? I don't understand people's thinking. It's just the strangest thing. It's like if you are still positive. I remember a doctor once yelled at us. Because he's talking to us and we're just sitting there smiling at him. In our inimitable styles. And he barked at us. You're not taking this seriously enough. And we smiled and said, no, we get it. Dead. We understand dead. Why weren't we? Because we weren't there crying. Crying and tears streaming down our faces. (laughs) Now, I know everybody goes through moments of that. And look, I even allow myself a good 24 hours to freak out over any situation in my life. The first 24 hours, when we found out she had, I was like that personally. But I don't stay there. I get myself and say, stop it. I need to get to a place of faith. Why people struggle with this, I, I've just never understood it. Anyway, a positive confession. Don't go around saying to God, God, I trust you. And you will turn us around in my life and turn around to everybody in their life and say, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if, if, if God's going to answer my prayers. I don't know if, 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 we'll, if we'll make it. Watch the tongue. Great power in the tongue. Again, I don't think we have to be paranoid to say, I might die laughing for fear of you might actually literally die laughing. I think that's a little crazy. Okay. 
And I don't think you're many gods where you can walk around and say, well, I want this and I want that and I want everything will come to you and you'll, you know, have gazillions of dollars and, you know. A lot of these things were just extreme swings of, quite frankly, selfishness. It's amazing how much of these confessions were about me, 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 me. Something I don't think God was really happy or pleased about. Thankfully, not a lot of that going around anymore. A lot of adjustments on that. But, uh, but, have a positive confession. You say, Pastor, well, it's really hard for me to have a positive confession. I know. You know why? Listen to last week. <laughs> you can't even imagine God helping you. You can't even picture it in your mind. So you got to start last week. If you're still struggling, you got to get back. Go, God, listen to last week. And play it over like a hundred times in your head. Do you get this? Get to a place of faith where you can picture God doing it. And then you'll find speaking positively about God is not a hard thing. And if nothing else, keep that picture in my mind, in that, that analogy in your mind that I talked about. I say to Bob, Bob, you're great. I'm really trusting you. you handle that project for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bob's all jazzed. And I get away from Bob and say, uh, I don't know if, if Bob can pull this off. Now, you know how insulting that is. That's what many of you are doing with God. You tell him, I'm trusting you. And when you speak of it in your life, it's, I don't know how he's going to pull this off. And I think it negates your faith. And I think it's one of the reasons it keeps miracles uh, from happening for people. Okay? So watch your confession. Be consistent. Number one, our God is able. Number two, our God will rescue us that positive confession and then the hochi mama one number three three parts of this verse 18 but even if he does not wow now this all sounds very confusing i know (laughs) wait a minute you just said you can picture god doing it yeah and you just Broadly proclaim that he will rescue you. Yeah. What's with the, but even if he doesn't. In fact, uh, I heard a faith preacher once. We call them faith preachers. These guys that have this real confession extremism going in their lives. <clears throat> Preaching on this verse. Oh, he did not like it. Because this disproves their premise that you can never say anything remotely negative. In other words, based on their comprehension of confession if you say even if he does not oh no you just made a negative confession you won't get your miracle well we know they got their miracle well you don't know that yet because i haven't gotten there but they do okay so apparently it did not negate that this extreme nonsense that if you say i'm going to die laugh you're going to die or talking about anything realistic in your life as somehow negative look even when you're talking positively about, about, about your situation to people you can be realistic i'm not saying that I'm not saying you can't say, yeah, the doctor says I have cancer and there's a good chance that I'll die. That's not doing the Bob deal. We say, God, Bob, I trust you, but I don't know how Bob's going to do it. That's not what I'm talking about. It's an attitude of the heart. You can be realistic. That's fine. You can say, look, they said I might die. I'm trusting God, but but I might die. I get it. You know, that's being real. Looking at your situation, you know, with my house. My realistic part of it is the economy is awful. Now, is God bigger than the economy? Yep. But that's real. I mean, I get it. It's not a 
terrible confession of faith to say that. The confession of faith is, oh, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know why it's going to turn around. I prayed about it. I don't, you know, we're all bummed out. I, I, just, I just can't see this thing turning around. See, that's the insult. That's the lack of confession of faith. The fact that you acknowledge the reality in your life and what you're facing is not a negative confession. Remember, they acknowledge it, but they still said, our God will deliver us. That was their main statement. God is able to, he'll do it, but even if he doesn't, see, they cover all bases. They, this is a pure state of faith for them. I remember listening to that preacher. He went through all kinds of hurdles to say, well, when they said, even if he does not, that's not really what they really meant to say, and, and what... Because because this this absolutely contradicts their version of this faith thing that you can never say anything negative. And what it really means in the Hebrew, what it really means is the word la 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 la, which should have been translated blah 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 blah, and that should have been put earlier on in the conversation. I mean, jumping through hoops. By the way, when you hear people wrestling the life out of a scripture, trying to show you it doesn't really mean what it says. Always, always, I don't care if I do it to you, always go, dee, 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 caution, eh, 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 danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will, just be careful. A lot of these guys go out of their way to take portions of scriptures and jump through hoops and well, it doesn't really mean this, and because it has to mean that, and that would mean that, and in the Greek it really means this. And, and I love these people who are Greek and Hebrew scholars because they spent all of 37 seconds looking up a definition in Hebrew, and suddenly they're great translators. When Now, if you look at other translations of the Bible that say the different thing, you'll see, tell me... You'll hear me say that from time to time. That, well, if you look at other translations, it says da-da-da-da-da. That's a different argument. Now you've got other scholars who know what the heck they're talking about. And, and, you can, and you run into one translation that didn't maybe say it very well. Didn't get to the real clarity of that. That, I believe, happens a lot. You'll hear me talk about that. But these dime store Greek and Hebrew scholars who... <laughs> They barely speak English, some of these nitwits. Well, the Greek really says, and you read the Bible, and these geniuses who really do speak Greek never saw it that way, and you look at another translation, and it says the same thing, and you look at another translation, and it says the same, and every translation for the last how many centuries says ABC, but now because some guy read a Greek thing, and it doesn't fit with his theology, and he tells you, well, in the Greek it really means always, Always be suspicious of that kind of nonsense. Honestly, people, <laughs> you know, the good thing is, I, I don't know of anybody who's been exposed to that around here, thank God, but this comes up from time to time where you'll see people take parts of the Bible and they reconstruct it and they use phrase, well, in the Greek it really means, when you hear somebody say that, they don't know Greek and you don't either. I don't know Hebrew anymore than the next guy. For heaven's sakes, I certainly don't know the original text and everything else. You know, when all the other translations don't even remotely point to what you think it's saying, this some preacher, man, always, always be cautious on that stuff. I never listen to that stuff. I sit there and think in my head, oh, for crying out loud. You know, they're just resting upon a scripture they don't like because it doesn't fit with their theology. And uh, anyway, so that's what he did with this because... To say, even if he does not, oh, it's a bad confession. 
So anyway, he says, our God is able to, he will do it. Positive confession. But number three, even if he does not. Now what's so powerful about this? Because of what I said when we first got to this, the biggest threat, the greatest threat to faith is fear. And if you cannot shut off the fear, you'll never get to a place of faith. How do you shut off the fear? Let me tell you, okay? Some of you who are really struggling, and you've got horrible situations in your life, and you're, you're terrified on the inside, and you, you don't know what you're going to do, how to deal with it. Here's what you do. You've got to look at the worst case scenario, the very thing you fear the most. Look at it and say, okay. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen to any of us? We die. You've got to be able to look at death and say, okay, I can handle that. Now, does that mean accepting of it? No. I'm still believing God can and he will. But when I say, even if he doesn't, I take away Satan's greatest tool in my life, fear. Because if Satan comes to me and says, oh my gosh, your condo will never sell. It's never going to, you're going to be 75 years of age and you're still going to have this extra condo going in and, and property values are, are going down and you're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars less in your life paid out in interest that you'll never get back. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what? That could happen. Yes. You know what I do? I look at that and I go, okay. Okay. If that really happens to me, if I'm going to be half a million dollars poorer over the next 10 years, which is an exaggeration, but even if that were true, and I'll be stuck with a condo that will be worth a quarter of its value today. Okay. What, I'm going to kill myself? I'm going to get depressed? I wonder some of the people are medicated. Good grief. Everything in their life. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Really? This is how you want to live life? Well, what if this happens to me, Pastor? You got to be able to say, okay. So what happens? I mean, what's the worst? What what if I lose my home? What if I lose my home and and the economy and I lose my job and I lose my home and everything? You got to be able to look at that horrible thing that you're so afraid of and go... That's okay. I'm okay with that. He said, but I'm not okay with it. That's your problem. You can't hang on a thing so tightly that if you don't have this, you cannot live. Some of you scared out women who are in terrible marriages and their husbands just abuse the life out of them and beat the snot out of them. Why would any woman stay in a situation where someone is physically beating the life out of them? Because they're more afraid... Of what will happen if he's not here? What will I do then? Well, when you're afraid of something, then you open yourself for abuse. You open yourself for abuse from the devil in your life. If you're so afraid you're going to lose your job and all the world, the devil's going to just knock the snot out of you. You're not going to be in a place of faith. You're not going to be able to worship God. You're not going to be the kind of person that people say, man, I want to be like that guy. That guy, what a great life he has. He's a great Christian. He's always positive. You're never going to get there. Why? Because you're scared to death of what's going to happen to you. He said, well, pastor, if I say, okay, then it's going to happen to me. No, not necessarily. It could, by the way. 
I don't think these guys were playing games. I think when they said, even if God doesn't do it, they meant it. I think in their mind that they thought, even if God, you throw us in a fiery furnace and we go out in a blaze of glory. I think they were perfectly good with it. They weren't afraid of it. What was the worst case scenario? Well, extreme pain for about a few seconds. Because as we will read later, the fire got so hot, just the guys getting around it were dying. So you can imagine if you got thrown in, I mean, how long can you last? I mean, just... They looked at the situation, the worst case scenario, we fry. They believed God would do it, was able to do it. They believed God would do it. I said, but even if he doesn't, we're good with that. Now, do you realize how frustrating that is for the devil? When he keeps coming to someone and puts the most fearful picture he can in their face. And the person goes, (laughs) I don't care. Now, how frustrating is that if you're the devil? Let's all feel bad for the devil. I mean, that's got to be, I think I frustrate the snot on the devil. I think he looks at me. By the way, have you noticed that some people, they're always under attack in their life. They're always miserable. They're always struggling. Satan's always attacking them all the time. Have you noticed that? And then there's other people that almost never happens to. Why do you think that is? Do you think God loves those people more than he loves these people? No, I think the devil knows if I go to these people, I can terrorize them. If I go to these people, they're too dumb. I keep giving them the most scary thing I can and they don't freak out. It's like if you put on a real scary mask to a little baby. They don't get afraid. You put on a real thing, and a lot of them start giggling. Why? They don't get that. You're supposed to be scary. Now, the older they get, and they start learning about the boogeyman and things. Oh, and you're just a little kid. You'll terrorize them. They'll all freak out and stuff like that. Well, God, make me more like a baby. I want when Satan comes out with his big scary mask. Then I start giggling. I go, hi, Satan. Nice mask, man. I don't need terrorized. Well, Pastor, what if, what if your ministry completely fails? What if everybody quits coming to church and quits giving money and the whole thing goes bankrupt? You don't think those thoughts go through this head? You don't think Satan comes up and whispers that into these ears? When we have struggled at our worst, people used to come to me and say, And how do you sleep at night? I sleep fine. Do you know why? Because when Satan says, What if everything fails and you go bankrupt and the, you know, the bank repossesses this property and, and you go down in flames in the community? I look at that and go, Okay. No, I don't want that. But I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm not going to be terrorized by it. I'm not going to not sleep because of it. Why? It's a big scary mask. Now some of the masks, in the end, turn out real. There are a lot of people of faith. We'll pick this up after Lent. We've got to pick this up because I'm taking too long. I haven't even got to my stories yet. But we'll pick this up. There are a lot of people of faith who made great proclamations like this. And they got thrown into the fiery furnace. Anybody remember the early Christians? 
Anybody remember those guys? Now you can read stories of great miracles that happened in the Colosseums. Where some were not eaten by lions or the, the, some incredible thing happened. They should have died boiled in oil and they didn't die. They didn't even scald. Well, we all love those stories. Honest. I want to be on that equation if I possibly can. But we know most of them did die. But they weren't afraid. Why? Because they got to that place that says, even if he doesn't do it, we're cool with that. Our God is able. He will. Positive confession. When I speak to God, I speak openly to everyone else. And number three, but even if for some reason I don't get my answer, I will not be afraid. Even if he does not. If you can't get that part, that phrase into your heart, seared into your heart and into your mind, you'll never make it in a really positive state of faith. Because at the end of the day, we're trusting God. We're going to celebrate God. We're trusting Him for the best possible outcome. But even if we don't get it, we will not be afraid. We will not fear. We will not bow, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to your idol. This is what these three men proclaimed. And it set them up for one of the most incredible miracles in the Bible. And you'll find that pretty much all the guys who had incredible miracles in the Bible did these things. They could picture it. They proclaimed it boldly. But they were not afraid if for some reason God did not come through for them. Even if he does not. And at the end of the day, God is God. Look, the reality is someday we're all going to die. People say, well, Pastor Mark, what if Debbie would have died? I got news for you. She is going to die. Me too. Right now it's a race to see who outlasts who. But at some point, we all die. You will all die. I will all die. I will all die. (laughs) There's just one of me. I will die. We all die. It's just a matter of when and how. I hope my when is a long time away and the how is very quickly in my sleep. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't know what will happen. Trusting God, but at the end, nobody gets out of this alive. You can't put your hope and trust in things. Oh, Pastor, what if my husband leaves me? What if my wife leaves me? I'm going to die. No, no, you won't die. Trust God for a miracle. God is able to do it. He will do it. And even if for some reason he doesn't do it, I will not bend. I will not bow. I will not be afraid. Now we're going to go into Lent. And I hope all of you will get involved in this Lenten experience. We're going to be doing it here uh, at, the, at the East Side campus. Uh, we're going to break out into small groups. We're encouraging lots of people to do this at home. Even you guys that come here, better to do it in a small group at home because then you get food, you know, and you can hang out. Uh, we're going to have the teachings. Ed's done the teachings via tape. Uh, we've got some, some great prayers and stuff. The whole Lenten experience, getting ready for Easter, is going to be a fabulous time. So let me encourage you to really get into that with your whole heart and, and enjoy that. And after that expression of faith, we'll come back and we'll pick this up.
We will not forget where we're at. Do a quick summary and we'll go on. And I do want to share with you some of the incredible stories in my life of how and why I was able to experience some incredible things in my life. And all of it was around these three points. Number one, I know God is able. Number two, I believe he will. And number three, but even if he doesn't, I don't care. I will not bend. I will not bow. I refuse to be afraid. All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you after Easter on this Bible study series.